Welcome to Smart Branding, a podcast dedicated to branding, naming, and domain names. I'm Tatiana Bono, and with my guests, we try to help you create and grow strong, memorable, and meaningful brands online. I believe time is one of our most precious assets, and so I want to thank you in advance if you decide to spend the next 30 minutes with us. I promise to do my best to make those worth it. Let's go. So today, our guest, Cassie, uh, is... No, let's restart that. <laughs> I don't have your surname. That's where I saw. Oh, um, it's Spencer. Spencer. Let me just put it there. There we go. So today our guest is Cassie Spencer. She's a career coach, podcast host, and content creator. She has a podcast called The Happenstance Podcast, where she shares stories about people who have found success and fulfillment in their careers. Cassie is an East Coaster with a passion for helping others and is always on the lookout for new and exciting stories to share. Thank you for making the time and joining us, Cassie. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to chat today. Wonderful. So tell me a little bit about your background. How did you get to become a career coach? Yeah, so I have been in the career coaching space for over eight years now and kind of compared to a lot of career coaches came up in a non-traditional way in the sense that while I was in university as an undergraduate student, I found career coaching. I was working with career coaches at my university and more or less had that kind of aha moment of like, wait a second, this is a job and this is your job and how can I do this thing that you're doing? Um, And it just kind of fell in that moment where I was already the friend in the group who was reviewing people's resumes Mm. and making suggestions about different ways to job search and doing a lot of things that career coaches do. I just didn't know it was a job. So I found it very early compared to a lot of people and went to graduate school with the goal of really pursuing career coaching as a path. And then throughout that experience, worked um, in a handful of colleges and universities, mostly on the East Coast, gaining experience in career centers and working with students on picking majors and finding internships and kind of establishing their career plans. And then also began freelance career coaching, which has then led to basically the past year of uh, my life where I've been 100% kind of all in on freelance coaching, really intentionally building out my brand and my coaching practices, podcasting and all of that. Wonderful. And that's great that you touched on building your brand. Talk to me a little bit about that, about your brand. And um, I saw you have careercoachcassie.com as sort of the main hub where mm-hmm. where you promote yourself and people can learn about you. Uh, you also have a podcast you mentioned. So talk to me about how did that all Yeah. So career coach Cassie kind of happened by happenstance, which then leads into the podcast. But um, I had been career coaching and it just kind of fits with the alliteration that my first name is Cassie and and it and it fits well that people you know even some of my friends were just kind of casually uh texting me and being like hey i need some career coach cassie help and kind of making that <laughs> switch from i don't necessarily need friend advice right now i need like professional mm. advice oh that's cool um, so that's kind of how it started and it was about a little over 3 years ago 3 and a half years ago that i decided i wanted to really start sharing a lot of the information that I had and start creating content around career coaching, mostly because I just felt like I had so much information in my brain and things that I wanted to share. And I was having these conversations with 
students and friends and others that felt applicable and that I wanted to to kind of get out there. So the Career Coach Cassie page and mostly Instagram, but has spread to other platforms started there. And I also owe a lot of that credit to a student that I was working with at the time. Uh, we were doing kind of this career jumpstart before students came to university for their first year. They got to spend a week doing a bunch of different things uh, to kind of get them into a career mindset. And it was more of one of our fun activities. We were having a campfire and I was talking with one of the students and something about career coach Cassie came up. And she just went off in the most fun way about how she like loved that name. She could see all the things. She was joking <laughs> about movies and action figures and <laughs> just really leaning into it. And it, I was like, oh, this, it's already a part of my life, this kind of career coach Cassie mm. thing. But now this student that I've known for four days is excited about it and loves it and all these things. And I was like, okay, we really need to start this. So that really um, launched Career Coach Cassie. And it just kind of fits that it's what I do and it's who I am. So from mm. a, a brand perspective, I mean, I feel like you can't go wrong in that way. Yeah, absolutely. And I love the... I mean, it, it's true that it gives that feeling of like, I'm expecting an animation with a little superhero that's, uh, you know, <laughs> doing like little stories about it. You should do that. That, that will be I, fun, You know, I have sure thought about some it. stories. <laughs> Every time I think about kind of the origin of really starting like career coach Cassie as a, a page and content and that type of thing, I'm like, that comic idea, that superhero mm. idea, I got to come back to that. Yeah, you have to. That'll be fun. That'll be fun. So talk to me about your podcast. It, it has a very interesting name. And also, yeah, what do you do? What, what can people learn from it? Yeah, so the podcast is called Happenstance. And I really debated for a long time about what to name a podcast, what I wanted the focus to be. I knew I wanted to start a podcast. I knew I wanted it to be around career, but I didn't know how much I wanted it to be into like practical career advice, which is much more of what I'm sharing through the content I create and that type of thing. Um, and I went through a handful of name options and I landed on happenstance for a couple reasons. I wanted a name that was short and sweet and to the point, like a one word name, essentially. Um, I also didn't want it to necessarily be like the Career Coach Cassie podcast because mm -hmm. it just felt a little bit different from like that lens of work that I do and the approach that I wanted to take to it. Um, and then from my career coaching background, planned happenstance or the happenstance learning theory is a career development theory. And it's a theory that I learned about in grad school, really love and believe in. And it's a theory that's kind of followed me throughout my career. I've worked in offices and with teams that are quote unquote, like happenstance based. That's the theory that the office subscribes to. And so as I really dove into thinking about how I wanted this podcast to be structured and the stories that I wanted to share on there, it was all based around happenstance and around mm. the idea of looking at people's career paths and kind of looking at the elements of the twists and turns and the decisions they made and the opportunities that presented themselves and the things that they worked really hard for to get to where they are. Um, and really recognizing that for most people, it is not a linear path. It includes a lot of unplanned things and unexpected 
events and all of that, which is essentially what the happenstance or planned happenstance mm. learning theory is. Um, so with that lens, I felt like it was the kind of perfect one word name, easy to remember, easy to say, that type of thing, easy to search. Um, but it also both embodied kind of the lens through which I look at career coaching, but also gave me freedom where I wasn't locked into mm. like one type of story, one type of career path or anything like that. Mm. Yeah, I can totally see that. And it's um, it's something that we often talk about with guests on, on our podcasts and generally when it comes to naming that um, idea of you want to launch something that doesn't limit you in any way. And in yeah. that case, like you, you said, because you have the career coach, Cassie, that's something that you do and, you know, that's not going to change. Or if it does, I guess that would be a different brand. Right. Uh, but with the podcast, as you mentioned, you have different people, different stories. So you don't want to box it into one particular field of activity. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I've been involved with other podcasts in the past that did have really specific kind of uh, guidelines, I guess, because of how the podcast was named, because of the structure of the podcast. Mm. And I loved that for what it was, but I knew kind of going into my own that I wanted to have the freedom to tell such a wide range of stories and to have that career lens in there, but on a level where people don't mm. necessarily feel like they're listening to it to figure out mm. how someone else, you know, got to a certain place in their career or that they're only hearing about from other career coaches or practical career advice. Mm. I wanted it to be a little bit more fluid and to have kind of those intersections of people who have really cool passion projects and people who have mm -hmm. a more linear career path and people who've changed their mind 10 times. And with those intersections and thinking about it in that way, that is also what happenstance is all about. So it just kind of fell into place where once I had that idea, I knew I couldn't let it go. Whereas other ideas for names I'd had in the past, I was like, okay, it's like kind of good, but they were mm -hmm. a little bit easier to let go and happenstance. Once, once that popped into my brain, I was like, mm, I, I have to name it this. I can't, I can't go any other direction. <laughs> yeah, it just felt right. <laughs> yep. Cool. And you just mentioned um, people that like change their mind 10 times. And I feel that over, I don't know. I feel like when, when like I was a teen, let's say, and still thinking, hey, what am I going to do? There was that really heavy feeling of you have to choose one thing and that's going to be the thing for life. That's like the huge choice in your life. That's going to be it. You know, be careful what you choose because you're going to be working that forever. And I feel like that's changed over time. What What is your feeling on that? Yeah, I agree with this wholeheartedly that it's it's this thing that society seems to put pressure on for, you know, 18, 19, 20, 16, 17 mm. year olds, however old you are, uh, this pressure to make this decision. And I do think that that's changing. I think we're seeing a lot more people who are successful based on whatever that means to them, right? We're kind of redefining success. People mm. are making career changes at various points throughout their life, whether it's when they're in the first five years of their career after university, or if it's 40 years into their career, they're mm. making these changes and doing it successfully. Um, so I think we are seeing that change, but that is the other kind of piece of a lot of the work that I do and the stories that I want to tell and have been telling through the podcast is that it is normal, right? People are making mm -hmm. these changes and they're also doing it in a lot of creative 
ways where, you know, through side hustles or passion projects or volunteer work or job and career changes, they're bringing in these different elements of their life and they're making adjustments. And it's not that single decision, but Mm. it's this process of continually making decisions and kind of continually looking at what is important to me. What are my priorities right now in this kind of phase or season of my life? What things do I want or not want out of a job, out of a career, out of an industry? Um, And using kind of all of those elements to intersect and then to make that decision. And so my hope is that that becomes more normal and that people have less fear around making those those changes um, because... I think that that's where really exciting and fun things can happen with our hmm. careers when we're open to opportunities and when we kind of lean into the things that are important to us and exciting to us. Mm-hmm. Really cool stuff can happen. So definitely. Yeah. I have a 17 year old who is supposed to go to, well, he's going to university next year and, and he's going crazy. Like that's exactly what I was just saying that. I felt this pressure, pressure you know, when I was his age, when I was like, oh my God, oh my God, that, that's going to be it. And I'm, I'm trying to convey that, you know, I feel it's a bit lighter now, like we said, but but there is still that that um, feeling of that's going to be, you know, whatever I'm going to choose, that's going to be it for life. And like, do I really want that? Am I good at that? Is it going to pay well? And like, what's your advice to people at this age? Do you do what age people? Oh, okay. Let's backtrack that. Who do you work with? You mentioned students, but is it uh, only students? And and what would your tips be to that sort of a category? Yeah, so I work with a wide range of individuals, everyone from university students all the way up to seasoned professionals who are kind of preparing for that last job before retirement. Um, But primarily a, a large population of my clientele is students just because I've worked in the university setting um, for so many years. So my biggest advice for students is to recognize that everything you do throughout university and just in general throughout your life, whether it be involvement in volunteer work, clubs and orgs, a part-time job, a full-time job, a hobby, quite frankly, you are gaining skills and experience through those Mm. things. And if you can really capitalize on that aspect of it and recognizing the skills and the strengths that you have in these different settings and through the things that you already enjoy doing or are Mm. already spending your time on, I think that's a really valuable starting point. And it doesn't mean that if your hobby is, you know, skiing, that you need to go be a professional skier, Mm. that you need to work in a a ski shop or something. (laughs) But it's kind of using that experience to say, like, what is it about this thing that I enjoy? What are the Mm. elements of it that I enjoy? And using those pieces of information to then make the next decision. A lot of students also really, and I think really everyone, wrestle with the (laughs) fact that they feel like they're wasting time. And I talk with a lot of students who kind of have that mindset of like, I don't want to waste any more time. I just want to know. And the reality is, in my opinion, you're never wasting time because we're always gaining skills. We're always gaining Mm. experience that can be valuable. But also, you don't know if you're going to like something unless you try it. Absolutely. You know, and I think that that's a good reminder that just how it is with like, if you have a favorite ice cream flavor, it's your favorite because you tried it. And you Mm -hmm. know, the other ones aren't your favorite because you also tried that. And Mm. your favorite flavor can change in five years if you try something new. So 
that's where I think it is really important to just try things and to recognize that the quote unquote trying of things can happen through, again, clubs and organizations, sports and team activities, part-time jobs, volunteer work, like class projects throughout your time at university. There's a lot of ways to try things. And then Mm. it's a matter of reflecting on what did I like about those experiences? What did I not like? What are the things I Mm. want to do more of? And what feels like it comes easy to me? You know, for me, Mm. editing resumes came easy and I found it to be fun, which a lot of people think is crazy, right? They don't want to do it. (laughs) And that obviously led me to a very direct career path into career coaching. But I think there's other examples there where if you like writing, that doesn't mean you have to write a book, but there's lots of Mm. careers that involve a lot of that storytelling aspect and that writing aspect. And the same type of thing, if you like being more hands-on or outdoors or something else, like those are all starting points to make one decision and then to make additional decisions from mm, there. Absolutely. Yeah, I can totally agree with that. And and also, like you said, I mean, the, the fact that you're trying things, you, you have no idea how one thing leads to another. It's very funny because I think some but it's smart said that once, but you can track things back and there's a very clear line when you're looking, you know, backwards in the past, but you can never do that in the future, but that's yeah. kind of how things work. So yeah, definitely agree with that. And I was going to, my, my next question is going to be, what, what do you feel people get wrong when it comes to, to their career? Because you obviously talk to a lot of people and you've been around that space for, for quite some time. So I guess that would be one of the things people get wrong, not trying, being scared of trying things. Yeah. What would you say are some other things that you see often as mistakes? I think another mistake is a general kind of hesitation or maybe lack of interest in networking. And I mm. pick that one because I think the term networking and the idea of networking has become kind of this scary thing. People are like, mm. ah. It feels weird. I don't like it. I don't want to do it, et cetera. And the kind of bottom line with networking and and part of the reason why I picked this is because we are always networking to a degree, even if it's unintentional. And Mm. every single person has a network. If there are, you know, people, if you have family, friends, coworkers, classmates, like that is your network. You have a network. So it's not necessarily a matter of having one. It's a matter of utilizing it and then mm-hmm. deciding to expand, maintain, et cetera. Um, and I think networking is just something where, again, people have worked it up to be this really scary big thing, but it can be boiled down to simply having conversations with people and having maybe more intentional conversations where You don't necessarily have to be asking for a job or an internship or something else, but it can be a question of like, so what do you do? You know, Mm. like just asking someone what they do. And I think it's funny sometimes that we have friends or are the parents of our friends or other people in our network, the people we interact with on a daily basis. And you're like, but what do you actually do? Mm. You know, I, I, I had a friend who I know that they work in IT, but this was like a couple months ago where I was like, but what do you actually do? Like people ask me and I'm like, I don't know, they work in IT and that's like the baseline, right? So (laughs) like they're in my network. I probably should know that, but we're often just Mm. not having these intentional conversations. So it can be that baseline of like, what do you do? What is your job like? But it can also be a little bit more intentional of, you know, how did you get into this path and learning how Mm. someone else got there to give you kind of that insider information and, Of course, then there is another level of networking that 
is, you know, more in line with networking for the purpose of gaining experience or getting a referral to the job. But I think a lot of people make the mistake in thinking that that is the only level of networking and not Mm -hmm. looking at those other opportunities to have intentional conversations, to maintain the network that they already have, um, and to think about it a little bit more from that like conversational and connection standpoint. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, I would say also as, as somebody who employs people, I, I feel like a lot of people are, are, are scared, like you said, just reaching out and, and ask, asking basic questions. Or the other end of it is sending some like pretty much spammy mm-hmm. copy paste messages that are, and I'm like, no, I'm actually, you know, I, I do a lot of things. Oftentimes I do need different people for different type of tasks. And I'm, I'm actually, you know, you know how hard it is to, to find somebody suitable for a job. So uh, most of the time I am open to, you know, linking up with people who are good at what they do, but I'm not going to read some copy paste, you know, I don't know, 10 page, whatever, you know, so, so just, just be authentic, be honest, tell me what you do, show me you're good at it. And there's, I don't see anything wrong with that. And I, I feel people are like on the two uh, really opposite spectrums of that. Oh, oh I'm not going to do it because it's spam and actually spamming you. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I th- this is so important to talk about because there is kind of those two ends of the spectrum. And when you can find that middle ground of being authentic, genuinely having interest in what people are doing and wanting to mm. learn about them. I always say to people, if you can approach networking from that learning lens and with a genuine interest to learn more about what someone's doing, people are very receptive to that. Mm, um, and people can tell like this is a copy paste message that 50 other people are getting yep. or they have written this specifically for me. And I think a lot of people too are kind of afraid of that like rejection with networking. Mm. And I think it's really helpful to recognize that in most cases, either someone hasn't opened that message, whether it's on LinkedIn or a DM or an email, or they opened it and got busy. Like, you know, we all have a million tabs up. I've done it before where I've opened a message on LinkedIn and then, you know, a Zoom call dings or something else happens and I forget to respond. But I think that fear too of the rejection or not getting a response, I very much look at it as like, there's no harm and no foul as long as you're sending an intentional and a genuine message. Mm. And the people who do respond, that's who you want to be talking to anyways, because they're also then genuinely interested in that interaction. And, you know, there's so many platforms to get connected with people now in creative ways to network that it doesn't just have to be an email or LinkedIn. It can be mm. through other platforms where you can start to develop a connection with someone through their content and that type of thing. And I think that's a really powerful way into networking right now that can be a lot more comfortable and and kind of genuine and, and authentic. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's a good point that you mentioned that like people, people looking for jobs and especially if we're talking about younger people, students, they have a lot of insecurities, that fear of following up that, that mm-hmm. that's absolutely, yeah. Fear of rejection. I think it's, it's very important to, to stress on that, that, and I do that myself. And sometimes, honestly, I get sometimes to a point when I'm like, why didn't you remind me of that? <laughs> like I'm yeah. counting people to remind me of themselves because I have so many things to do. I can't do it myself. And, and they are sitting on the other hand thinking oh no it's a it's a no it's a Mm -hmm. you know it's horrible yeah right yeah and I think you know I am consistently pleasantly surprised 
by the times that I follow up, but also by the times that someone follows up with me, you know, especially Mm. I'm sure you experience this through podcasting too. I've sent messages to people asking if they'd like to be a guest and that type of thing. And sometimes there's no response. Sometimes there's a response right away. And then they kind of fall off with the responding and scheduling Mm -hmm. and that type of thing. And, you know, I've had some instances where I could have easily just said like, oh, clearly they're not interested. And I no, Mm. no. And then I've had other times where it's a quick message like, hi, so-and-so wanted to follow up. I'm still, I'd still love to have you as a guest, you know, et cetera, whatever Mm. else I need to say in that message. And then I have a response and it's scheduled five minutes later. So Mm. it's also that payoff of like, I could stress myself out about that, or I could send a quick follow-up yeah, and just absolutely. say, hey, want to check? And boom, then yeah. it's a win-win for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Um, so we kind of touched up on you. You mentioned you work mainly with students because kind of that's where it all started. So that that's um, how it's going. <laughs> if, if For our listeners, if you give me a bit of an idea of who can, what type of a profile, who can reach out to you for help? Yeah. So in addition to students, I also work through freelance career coaching with a wide range of individuals. I would say the vast majority of my clients are in that kind of midpoint in their career. Anyone who's maybe five to 10 years out of university, either looking to make a full career change, switching industries totally, or people who are more at that point of like, what's next, right? Maybe they Mm -hmm. don't want to make a drastic change, but they're kind of reckoning with that idea of like they've been in a job or two since university and kind of ready to take that next step, ready to move their career to the next level. Um, So those are a lot of people who I work with and the work that we do depends on the person, but really ranges from developing really effective materials in terms of resumes and CVs, LinkedIn Mm -hmm. profiles, and kind of optimizing those documents or platforms to work to their benefit. Um, I do a lot of job search accountability coaching with people. So I find that for a lot of people, job searching is just not fun. And I recognize that (laughs) and a lot of people recognize that and, you know, needing kind of the strategies um, and support to develop a effective plan for job searching and to really work through that plan with people. Um, Mm. And then, of course, I guess your more kind of stereotypical career coaching aspects in terms of interview coaching and networking coaching, um, updating documents like a resume, CV, that type of thing, uh, more from that like tangible aspect. Mm. I, I was gonna that was gonna be one of my last questions but now that we you mentioned cvs and social media profiles and, and all that uh, i i definitely have a question on that because yeah. obviously technology has changed and is constantly changing well everything but careers and and how we look for jobs and and what we do generally how do you feel that has impacted um how people present themselves and also if we're talking about that younger generation that like I for example have a period of my life where I wasn't on the internet luckily uh-huh. <laughs> there's no trace of that yeah <laughs> but the, the, like the people you're coaching now that that doesn't even exist like they they're literally like I'm, I'm sure their moms were posting you know pictures of of themselves in their nappies like yeah since they were not even walking so how does that affect how you present yourself online and how how you look for a job in the, that whole process? Yeah, this is such a great question because there's so many sides to it. I think mm. 
one of the best benefits of how technologies change the platforms and resources that we have is that there is unlimited knowledge available to job seekers mm. right now. And I really think about that, of course, through like Googling, there's unlimited knowledge. But I really think about it, especially from a LinkedIn lens. There's so many people on LinkedIn, more or less their entire career trajectory, the schools mm. that they attended, the degrees that they have, the other experiences that they've been involved with are listed on there. And that is just such a wealth of information for anyone. And you can think about the biggest companies in the world and seeing who works there and not just who works there, but where, what did they do to get to that role? Mm. What did that CEO of that company do to get there? And even on a smaller scale, if there's a company in your local area that you're like, I would just love to work there. Or there's a brand that you're excited about. Through LinkedIn, you can see essentially every employee and what they do, how they got there, what job titles they've held, all that type of stuff. So from this perspective of exploring our career options, thinking about the shifts and changes that we may make, a lot of students and young professionals question like, how do I use my degree in these other settings? And there's just so many resources available on LinkedIn to mm -hmm. see how people with incredibly similar backgrounds to you are doing the things that you're interested in. So that to me is such a pro of especially LinkedIn as a platform, but just the technology and access that we have is that you can gather so much information in that way, connect with people and network with people. You have access through these platforms to do that. So I see mm -hmm. that as such an advantage. And I think along with that, we're also seeing this really interesting, I guess, shift in the last couple of years in particular with other social media platforms and seeing how people are sharing their career stories on platforms like TikTok or in Discord mm -hmm. communities and in these other spaces. And that is just really fascinating to me too. Um, mm -hmm. I'll never forget that. I think it was maybe end of 2020, early 2021, something like that. Um, I saw a student post on TikTok that essentially was just a video. I think she was like sitting in her uh, university room or something and was like, hey, I'm um, interested in sports management. I don't know anyone in sports management. If you're interested in sports management, comment on this video. I would love to kind of meet some other people who are interested in sports management. And that video, I don't know how viral it went, <laughs> but it had a lot of views and a lot of likes and a lot of comments of all these other people, students and professionals saying, mm. hey, I'd also like to expand my network with people in sports management and someone else saying, oh, I currently work here. Like, send me a message or whatever. Mm. And I just thought like that was maybe a 30 second video that someone mm. didn't really think about, right? Just kind of like held up her phone, said, this is what I'm interested in post. Mm. And she expanded her network in an yeah. unlimited way type of thing. So through these other platforms, I think that is also such a pro that especially with algorithms and that type of mm. stuff, like you can get on your side of the internet and your side of a platform that really is going to benefit your career and just expose you to people and opportunities and all of that. So mm. I think that is like the long-winded pro of all of this <laughs> in terms of the cons and especially what, what you mentioned about, you know, people growing up on the internet. I think it is important to think about. I would say we have done kind of a nice transition where it seems to be less of an emphasis, you know, thinking mm. about 10 years ago or so, maybe even more than that, people were very aware of like 
an employer will look you up on social media and Mm. they will scroll at the time your Facebook page. And if you have Mm. a post, you know, where you're out on a Friday night doing whatever you're doing, that (laughs) could prevent you from getting a job. And I think that has shifted a little bit. I think LinkedIn plays a big role in that where employers are looking you up but they're looking at your LinkedIn first and foremost, and that is often your top search result. So your other platforms may not be searched or looked at anymore. I also think there's a little bit of an understand, I guess an understanding Mm. um, around some of those platforms. So that's getting better, but also that you can create your own brand through these platforms. And, you know, Mm. I've talked with a lot of students and young professionals and that type of thing where you can have multiple accounts. So if you want Mm. to have a personal account that's either private or is a different name or that's harder to find for whatever reason, like that is an option. And Mm. if you are someone who's interested in marketing, branding, or another realm where having a platform that you can show growth and reach and these other skill sets through growing a platform, like you can do that in another niche area or under another name. So I think it's nice that we're kind of shifting a little bit from how it was like 10 years ago or so. Um, But then it also comes back to like, how can we use it all to our advantage? Mm. Which I feel professionals like you come come handy because that's kind of what you do where you make people aware. And I I do that with um, names and domains and naming. When when people come to me for advisor for a particular name, I'm, I'm like, it's... The, the first and best thing you can do is just be aware that it's important. Mm-hmm. And then we can go over, you know, how to do it and the options, but literally the most important and, you know, the, the best thing to do when people say, what is, what should I, what shouldn't I do? I, I feel just making sure that you understand that it is something important. You should be looking at it. You should be planning how to do it. You should be researching how other people do it. That's already a huge first step and, and you know, they use so much med- better than anyone else who's just winging it or not even aware of, you know, it's a thing. Right. Yeah. And I think a hundred percent with that, because it's, it's the same when you think about LinkedIn, like your LinkedIn can be incredibly tailored to a specific field or industry. It can also Mm. be a little bit more broad if you're exploring your options. So kind of thinking about that purpose behind it and recognizing the importance of things like keywords and and all of that is is such an important piece of this lovely i i, I feel like we can talk forever but uh, i'm gonna try and wrap it up here <laughs> you know people have lives <laughs> so last thing where can people reach you yeah um i can be found on basically all platforms at career coach cassie is the main uh way to find me careercoachcassie.com all on there and links to all the socials and platforms and then happenstance the podcast is on apple and spotify so if you search happenstance you'll you'll find it and um a lot of fun episodes on their way with that wonderful well thanks a lot i i've had really a lot of fun i'm looking forward to the animation you have to do that <laughs> yes thank you so much for having me and as soon as i have uh, that superhero story ready i'll send it your yeah, way yeah absolutely thank you thank you for joining us in this episode of smart branding podcast feel free to visit smartbranding.com for more information and reach out if you have any suggestions questions ideas or just want to learn more about how a good domain name strategy can help you build a strong and successful brand see you next time